Welcome to Rocktown Emergencies, a podcast that focuses on emergency services in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. It includes law enforcement, fire departments, rescue squads, volunteer and career, and others throughout the emergency services industry. Now, here's your host, Paul Helmuth. In this episode, we continue our special series for the 2019 Safety Stand Down Week in the Fire Service, with a focus this year on firefighter cancer. Deputy Chief Matt Toby and I talked with Dr. Denise Smith from Skidmore University. Dr. Smith has extensive experience in researching firefighter health, and I'll let Chief Toby continue the introduction. So today we're talking with a, a very, very good friend of mine, Denise Smith. Uh, Denise is a PhD researcher from Skidmore University. She is the director of the First Responder Health and Safety Laboratory. Uh, she is a longtime adjunct faculty at the Illinois Fire Services Institute. I have personally seen Denise in structural firefighting turnout gear, uh, involved in live fire uh, training activities. Uh, she is uh, probably one of the smartest people that I have ever met in my entire life. And quite honestly, she's probably done more to advance the issue of firefighter wellness uh, than anyone else in our current generation. Uh, she has co-authored several textbooks. She's published over 60 scientific papers, uh, and she has been awarded more than $15 million in AFG grants, uh, along with other grants from DHS, NIOSH, and the Department of Defense, all of which is uh, effectively used to reduce preventable LODDs among firefighters. And Denise uh, more than anything else, is most assuredly leveraging her brilliance and the brilliance of her team uh, to help us in the fire service live long and healthy lives. Uh, and I consider her a, a very dear and close friend. And Denise, thanks so much for being here today. Well, Matt, thank you for that really kind introduction. Um, I, I'm really humbled by it. I'm not sure I'll be able to speak now. If I could just simply add, my own introduction. I'm a person who deeply respects and even admires the fire service, and I'm pleased to do a little bit to try to help the men and women who serve our community. Thanks. You know, uh, Denise, I really appreciate you taking uh, a few minutes of your busy time uh, to visit with us. You have been very focused on uh, physiology, on wellness, on uh, firefighter health, uh, but I think one of the things that's been interesting in recent years is how quickly cancer uh, has captured the attention of the American Fire Service. And I was wondering if you could just offer a few thoughts as to why you think that is the case. Well, sure. Cancer is a horrible disease. And it turns out that about 40% of the men in the United States are going to develop cancer at some point in their lives. And unfortunately, about 20% of them will lose their lives to cancer. Um, and often that's um, a, a painful struggle. It's heartbreaking. It's scary. And I think all of us know someone who has battled the terrible disease. So on top of the fact that it's all around us, the fire service um, is disproportionately men. So we see the, the population at risk, you might say. And then there have been several studies that have suggested that firefighters are at increased risk above that of the general population. So I think all of these things have really come together to captivate 
the American Fire Service and to motivate them. I, I think we're seeing more changes in terms of taking steps to protect against cancer than we have seen in any other health initiative, health or safety initiative in the fire service. It's really been a rapid change with everyone wanting to get on board to do what we can to prevent the incidence of cancer. Well, Denise, the one thing that I have I have noticed over the last, specifically over the last couple of years, that the age seems to be non-discriminate as well. It's not just the firefighters with 20 years or 30 years experience. You're seeing firefighters with 5 and 10 years experience. Right. Um, that's, a, that's a hard one to address statistically. One of the things that I know is true is that when a young person is diagnosed with cancer, it's particularly heart-wrenching, and it captures a lot of our attention. But I don't think I would accept that age is not still a very significant factor. And that's true in the general population and in the fire service. Now, there, there was a study from NIOSH that suggested that there are some cancers that firefighters may be more prone to at an early age. But in general, but in general, the numbers, you know, the hard, cold numbers tell us that advancing age increases your risk of cancer in the general population and in the fire service. But that it's no guarantee. Just as you have said, there are too many cases. Well, in the general population, we all know that there's childhood cancer that is, you know, just one of the worst things you can imagine. And in the fire service, yes, we have young people that are afflicted with the disease. Um, but there still is a lot of work we need to do to better understand if firefighters are receiving a cancer diagnosis significantly before the general population in a way that is statistically significant. Denise, one of the things that you highlighted is the need for additional research, and I know that many of your colleagues are uh, working on some efforts. Um, Can you just talk for a a minute about some of the research efforts that you're aware of that are going on uh, across the United States and even uh, perhaps even internationally focused on trying to get to the core of the issue associated with firefighting and cancer? Sure, Chief, I'd love to, um, but but let me do so with some apologies. I know I will not be as inclusive as I should be, um, but let me start with the, the ones that I'm closest to. At the University of Illinois Fire Service Institute, we've been conducting a series of studies in collaboration with NIOSH and Underwriters Lab, and Skidmore College also participating in that. And what we're looking at there is really a holistic view of what happens to a firefighter when he or she is engaged in operations or in training. So we're trying to look at heat exposure, cardiovascular strain, and exposure to carcinogenic risk all at once. So in those studies, we have firefighters engaging in what we call a modern fire environment. So we have to be able to burn furniture, plastic, um, a, a typical residential structure with appliances and TVs inside of it. And then we were very interested in trying to document 
what's in the air, what gets on the gear that a firefighter wears, what gets through the gear and onto the skin, and then what gets onto the skin and absorbed into the body. Now, I think that's one of the comprehensive studies that's been done. And as I say, we've done that in a modern, realistic firefighting environment and also in a training environment to look at different fuels. But even with that sort of a comprehensive look, we're only beginning to scratch the surface because it's a huge leap scientifically, biologically, to go from having soot on the hands or neck or even to be able to detect some metabolite in the blood and urine. And to understand who has received that exposure will actually go on to develop any type of cancer. Now, in terms of trying to understand that mechanistic link and what's happening biologically, uh, Jeff Burgess at the University of Arizona and also some colleagues at um, University of Florida are doing some of that mechanistic biological work to better understand cancer risk. And then, of course, there are other groups around the country that are trying to look at exposure data, understand run data from firefighters so that they can be tracked for many years. So that's a sort of prospective approach to better understanding cancer risk in the fire service. And the most notable effort in that regard is probably the recent legislation that established the National Cancer Registry. And that's being led by Dr. Penny Fent. And I'm very hopeful that that work will help us better understand the incidence rate, different types of cancer, and work habits, patterns, or exposures that increase the risk of developing cancer. And again, an apology for a long answer and one that I know is incomplete. Now, that's great stuff, Denise. You know, there's, uh, there is a lot going on nationally, but, you know, firefighters are often prone to wanting to find the, what is the, what is the most effective way? What's the one thing we can do to reduce our likelihood of getting cancer? And I think, you know, perhaps the takeaway at this moment is that there is no, there is no one thing. There is no effective test, uh, if you will, uh, to more sensitively detect cancer earlier to, in the hopes of combating it successfully or uh, a single action that you can take to prevent cancer. But my sense from you and from our time together is that the single, you know, perhaps a, a very effective way for firefighters to increase their resiliency or, if you will, increase their likelihood of preventing cancer is to lead a healthy lifestyle. Uh, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about what that, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis for a firefighter on the street level? What does living a healthy lifestyle look like? Yeah, I, thanks for that question because I think you've hit on something that is incredibly important. And if I could just reiterate it in my own words. First, everybody wants to know what they can do to prevent this disease. And we know a lot. There's much we don't know in the fire service about why firefighters are at an increased risk of developing cancer. 
But in the general population, we've had decades of research, hundreds of millions of dollars involving tens of thousands of people. And we do have some answers about how to decrease your risk of cancer overall. And the most powerful thing you can do is to lead a healthy lifestyle. Now, what does that mean? Here's some good news. Physical fitness. By engaging in regular exercise and becoming physically fit, you can decrease your risk of cancer by 50%. Now, in the fire service, I know many people are paying attention to the increased risk associated with firefighting. And they know the data that firefighters are about 15% more likely to develop cancer. And some specific cancers, it's much higher. But if you know that statistic, I would ask you to please hold on to this second statistic. And that is that physical fitness can decrease your risk of developing cancer by 50%. In addition to that, studies suggest that you can decrease your risk by 20 to 30% by healthy eating, the fruits and vegetables and all the standard advice that we hear and sometimes are reluctant to take. Finally, we need to make sure that we're avoiding smoking. In fact, the decreased rate of cancer death in the United States right now is attributed primarily to the fact that fewer people are smoking. So if you want to decrease cancer risk, you need to be fit and healthy, eat a well-balanced diet, and avoid smoke or other tobacco products, the chewing tobaccos, the vaping, all of these things are irritants and can increase the risk of developing cancer. With the fire service, what are they doing now to help decrease that industry-wide other than the focus on the wellness? Well, in the fire service, what I have observed is that the fire service is really focused right now in combating cancer through policies and procedures that limit your exposure on the fire ground and after engaging in firefighting activities. And I fully endorse these. They're absolutely right. We've helped craft some of these recommendations to say that you should be deconning your gear, getting your gear clean, swapping your hoods, wiping the skin, showering as soon as possible. Avoid the off-gassing by not riding in an enclosed vehicle with your dirty gear. The fire service has adopted these types of policies rather quickly. But I would argue that the fire service has not been as quick to adopt the recommendations around physical fitness, although I think the benefits for cancer reduction are far greater. The fire service has been talking about wellness and fitness for many years, typically around cardiovascular health. And it's certainly true that physical fitness decreases your risk of cardiac death, uh, statistically by about 70%. It's, it's huge. But the good news is if we could energize people around that message, if we could motivate them to take personal responsibility and really adopt physical fitness and to advocate for it as much as they're advocating for the policies around a second set of gear, clean gear, limiting exposures, I think that holistic approach could really help the fire service be on the leading edge 
of cancer prevention in the country. You know, Denise, uh, one of the things that we talked about is obviously firefighters latching on to, you know, something that they think is going to help them. And, and one of the things I do want to just touch on briefly is the issue of saunas. And, and the reason that I want to touch on that is because while there may be uh, a perception, certainly not necessarily based in science, but a perception about the benefits of toxin removal from the body, what I don't think is well understood is the dehydrating effects of saunas and some of the cardiovascular outfall that may come from that. Can you just talk about that for a minute? Because I, I don't want firefighters to ever inadvertently do something or engage in something that they think is going to help them that may actually hurt them somewhere else. Right. Another great question. And I, I get asked about saunas a lot. And uh, thankfully, there is some research underway. I think we're going to have some answers more definitively, uh, probably within a year or two, because I know there's an ASG-funded project in Arizona now looking at saunas and its effect on detoxing a firefighter. But let me say from my perspective, I would say science first. Follow proven strategies. Um, I don't think anyone should invest in a sauna until they've invested in a wellness fitness program and in nutrition and in those things that have been proven to decrease the risk of cancer. For saunas, there is no scientific evidence of effectiveness. There's certainly anecdotal evidence. There are people who um, routinely tell us that they feel better, they smell better, they're aware of sweating out um, something that smells like fire smoke. Now, what we don't know is actually what is coming out of the pores and what is being driven deeper into the body when a person is in a sauna because, of course, you're increasing blood flow around those sweat glands as well. And sometimes our perceptions or our senses are different from what we think might be happening biologically. So I don't I don't question anyone who reports to me that they have gotten rid of some things and they smell better for days after taking a sauna. And that was a little convoluted, but what the firefighters are reporting is they may smell like smoke for several days after a fire, but if they take a sauna, that disappears. But what we don't know is if what they're smelling actually is related to biological risk in any way. So again, I, I feel badly when I give these really long answers, but I would say saunas are not proven to help, and we have measures that we know will help that firefighters engage in them. Namely, you need to exercise. There's not a lot of shortcuts there. You just need to get to the gym or get to the day of the apparatus day at the station, do some calisthenics, do some exercise. You need to eat healthy. Now, you had mentioned the risk of taking a sauna. And I want to say, I don't want to 
overstate the risk because, again, we don't have much data on the risk of a sauna, and many people have used them quite safely. But there certainly is a theoretical risk, particularly when firefighters are taking a sauna shortly after engaging in firefighting activities, and if they might get called to another scene, because a sauna will elevate your body temperature and it will cause the blood clotting potential to be increased. And so on the cardiac side, we don't want to have enhanced coagulation following firefighting or when a person might be going into uh, emergency operations. So that's the sort of risk-benefit you're weighing. Um, anecdotal evidence that it works, but no scientific evidence that it does. And then again, some concerns for the cardiovascular and thermal strain that it imposes. Denise, we're getting close to where we need to wrap up, but where can firefighters find more information about the research that you're doing and that you're talking about here? So there are a couple of great sites. Um, The University of Illinois Fire Service Institute, just go to their homepage and we have a research button right on the front page that will take you all of the research we've done, where we've published it in academic journals, and where we've created um, guides and reports for the fire service, including online training lessons. Also, Underwriters Lab has done extensive work with us, and they have put all of that in some training modules that can be used by firefighters uh, individually or in classroom settings. Um, Also, F has a nice uh, repository of research and of course there are several groups, uh, the Fire Cancer Support Network um, and others Uh, I'm missing an important name right now that I can't get to but I think all of these places uh, are good resources for firefighters to become more educated about this topic and I'd also mention the American Cancer Institute for some basic facts on the toll of cancer in the United States and proven preventative strategies. I want to thank both Dr. Denise Smith from Skidmore University and Deputy Chief Matt Tobia of the Harrisonburg Fire Department for discussing firefighter cancer and what we can do to help decrease the risk associated in the fire service. If you want more information about firefighter cancer, you can visit the University of Illinois Fire Service Institute's website and the Firefighter Cancer Support Network. I'll have links to both of their websites in the podcast description. In our next episode, we'll talk with Fire Chief Ian Bennett from the Harrisonburg Fire Department and what the department is doing to decrease the exposure their firefighters have to carcinogens. Until next time, have a safe week. Thank you for listening to Rocktown Emergencies, a podcast focused on emergency services in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. You can follow Rocktown Emergencies on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps. If you want to email Paul, you can email him at paul at rocktownemergencies.com. Join us next time for Rocktown Emergencies and have a safe week.